Take your seats. <clears throat> and I trust you enjoyed the fantastic presentation that we saw a few minutes ago. Many thanks to uh, Megan Muller for the work she's done in our Hills Kids ministry this year, and in particular to Kerry Davis, who oversaw the production of our nativity play uh, featuring the efforts of many of our Hughes kids. Why don't we give them a round of applause and just thank them for them. Fantastic. Thanks also to our great band this morning that's been keeping them on track and uh, it is absolutely great to see all of you here this morning on our Christmas Eve service, which we obviously are dedicating this morning to uh, the role uh, of our kids in the life of our church, celebrating that and uh, giving thanks for that. Thanks also to Diana Mason from our youth group, Hills Youth, who read our reading earlier from Isaiah chapter 9. And I want to start there this morning and take a look at that just as we reflect before we have a very special time of gift giving near the end of our service. Isaiah chapter 9 says to us, and it begins with the words that the people walking in darkness have seen a great light, and those living on the land, in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. And if you've ever been in a dark place in your life or been literally in the dark, you are, you'll be aware of what joy there is when light appears, uh, when uh, something appears that suggests that the darkness is going to end. Uh, that you're going to be able to move perhaps to a better place or a more safe or secure place. And then later in the chapter, it makes this statement which catches us a bit, a bit unexpectedly. It says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. And we might have expected that that scripture might say, uh, to us a, a soldier is given, or to us a, a warrior is given, or a king or a ruler. But instead, the deliverance of people begins with a child. The, deliver the deliverance of God's people uh, begins with a baby. And God is not too proud that he comes to us to rescue us uh, as a great ruler or as a great king, but instead begins his life as a baby in a feeding trough in the middle of nowhere and announces his arrival to a group of shepherds, not on the world's media around, the, around wherever you might see that. So it's appropriate today that when we come to celebrate Christmas that we do so in the presence of children, that we do so surrounded by kids. We even have babies here today that have been born just recently and we celebrate that because that's where God began. That's where God started in the manger as a baby. It goes on to say of the greatness of his government and peace there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever, and that the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. So this baby Jesus that was born, it's not just a pleasant story about the arrival of a child, but it's the story of the arrival on earth of God's deliverance. And when it comes to reflecting on the role of children and kids in our lives and in the life of our church, 
I wanted to take some time this morning to encourage us in that, to give thanks for that and indeed continue to commit ourselves to that and to foster that in our own lives, in our own homes and in the life of our church. When the angel was announcing the ministry of uh, the uh, starting place in relation to um, the ministry of John the Baptist, who was the forerunner to Jesus, there it is, <laughs> he made this interesting comment about what John would do before the arrival of Jesus. He said, And he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. And I found it interesting that one of the things that John the Baptist was meant to do was to turn the hearts of their parents towards their children. I wonder why he felt necessary to include that in his mission, whether there was a time when parents didn't think much about the kids. There had been times in the existence of humanity when kids had no legal status whatsoever. They weren't highly regarded. Uh, they were just tended to be shipped around and, and, and uh, dealt with in a, in a very, very offhand way. But when Jesus comes on the scene, the ministry of the Holy Spirit begins to turn the hearts of parents to their children. And some of us might take that for granted and think, of course we would think about our kids. Of course we would have regard for them. But I want you to be aware of the fact that today that one of the key things that Jesus achieves when he comes to earth is this elevation of children in the life and the mission and ministry of his church and indeed of his people. So that was one of the key things that was put there. Now once upon a time his disciples uh, had an argument about who was greatest in the kingdom. They were very excited by the fact that as Jesus grew and started his ministry on earth that they'd be invited to take part with that. And they started to think that there must be a very special future ahead for them given that their relationship with Jesus and they were connected with him and they thought, well, this is going to turn out pretty good for us. And they started to argue who might be in line for the number two position behind Jesus. And Jesus, uh, knowing their thoughts, he could tell what they were talking about and thinking about, chose to use a child to explain to them the attitude that they should take. He invited the child to come and stand next to him, which was a significant act of recognition and inclusion of that child, that Jesus would acknowledge that child in that way. And he says to the, to the disciples, whoever welcomes this little child in my name welcomes me, and whoever welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me, for it is the one who is least among you, all who is the greatest. Jesus announced to his disciples that he was inverting the order of things, that uh, what some call was the great reversal unfolding. And Jesus was pointing to the children in their midst as examples of those who they should serve. And that's a great example for us as a church and as a community that we should always be mindful of the need of the kids amongst us, their needs and, and what they require, and that we should also have the same attitude as them. Now you would have thought that after Jesus said, whoever welcomes this little child in my name welcomes me, the disciples might have remembered that, might have got the idea, but it seemed like nine chapters later in Luke's Gospel, they were still trying to work it out. 
It says that people were also bringing babies to Jesus for him to place his hands on them. When the disciples saw this, they rebuked them. But Jesus called the children to him and said, Let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. This time Jesus extended the lesson. He told the disciples off because they thought Jesus blessing babies was a waste of his time. And Jesus firmly said, "Uh uh-uh, I have a ministry to all kids and to all babies. I'm willing and ready to bless them and I regard them as being part of my kingdom and my family. So the disciples had to learn that lesson. But then he went on and in the same way that he stood a child next to him and said, you need to look at this child if you want to think about greatness in the kingdom of heaven. And he said, you actually need the same attitude of this child towards me. He said, this child is actually an example of the attitude that you should have when it comes to trusting in me and believing in me. And for an explanation of what that looks like, I was impressed with the way that the Life Application Study Bible described it. It says, how does someone receive the kingdom of God like a little child? It means having a simple, trusting attitude that children show to adults on whom they depend. Jesus wants people to enjoy prayer by delighting his company, finding ways in a busy day to read the Bible enthusiastically, seek God's help in any problem, rely on him for guidance and trust him explicitly. Children do all that with adults who love them. How much more should believers have that attitude towards Jesus who loves them as well? Jesus makes it clear that children not only have the right attitude when it comes to relating to him that we should actually emulate, but also the fact that God himself reveals himself to kids. It's not something that's only for adults, but kids, as we've seen today, can be quite aware of and respond to the truth when it comes to the message and the ministry of Jesus. It says in Luke chapter 10, at that time after disciples had gone out to minister in Jesus' name, full of joy through the Holy Spirit, he said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this is what you were pleased to do. So the idea that knowing Jesus and following God is all something for adults to do once they work out what it's all about, Jesus makes quite clear that it's just not true. That kids themselves with their trusting hearts can be open to the love and the message and the ministry of God amongst them. Folks, I wanted to wrap up now just before we headed towards a special time of gift giving in the life of our service by talking about some things that we as parents and as a church community can be committed to when it comes to helping with our kids. We need to be aware as adults and parents that we have a mission and a ministry to kids. This is something that Judy and I have been trying to do in the life of our kids. On Friday, our daughter, our youngest, turned 23. Uh, Our son's 25. So we're into a a different zone now when it comes to uh, ministering to our kids. Sometimes our daughter gets angry with us and looks at us and says, you treat me like I'm a baby. And we think to us, you still are, because we're double your age. Sorry, Jude. Um, 
even more than that actually. But it was really interesting when we went out to dinner last night as a family and we're still negotiating and navigating that role that we have as parents, wanting to let our kids grow and develop and become adults and stand on their own, but also still acting out that role of shepherds, guides, teachers, uh, parents who love their kids but know that the ultimate best for them is for them to find Jesus, to have relationship with him and to come to believe in them. When Paul was speaking to his younger uh, partner in ministry, Timothy, he made the observation of this young man that from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. The idea that knowledge of the Bible and the Scriptures is something that happens when we grow up uh, again is shown to be not true. We have a mission and a ministry as a church and as parents to help our kids understand the scriptures uh, through many different means, including bringing them to the Hills Kids, where they get taught the Bible week in, week out, month in, month out. And sometimes parents, I'm sure when they come home from uh, Hills Kids and they offer up a bit of wisdom and you think, wow, where did they get that from? And then you put two and two together and you think, I think they've been paying attention to their teachers uh, and to their leaders at Hills Kids. That's really good. And it's so fantastic when as parents we can partner with the local church to reveal Jesus to our kids and to help them come to understand the great calling that's on their life, the great plan that God has for each of them. So I encourage you to do that. We also have uh, a bit of advice that's given to us from Ephesians chapter 6. And it starts off with you kids, so you've got to pay attention to this one. See if you can memorise this one. Children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. Is that hard to do, kids? It's not. Who said no? Hey, good on you, Isabel. Fantastic. That's the word of affirmation that we need for our kids, isn't it, parents? It's easy to obey mum and dad. That's right. It's not what we heard from our daughter last night, Isabel, but we're expecting and believing for better things from you when it comes to your 23rd birthday party. I shouldn't have said that, should I, Jude? But anyway, Emily's not here, so she can't tell me off for using her as example number 58 in a sermon. Sorry, Em. She should charge for that. Honour your mother and father. Why? Because it's the first commandment that comes with a promise. So it may go well with you and that you may enjoy a long life on the earth. Who wants a long life on the earth, kids? All right, you can have it if you just honour mum and dad and obey what they say. However, Paul is a very fair man and he never gives out a commandment to one group of people without following it closely by with another commandment to another group of people, the corresponding group of people. And he says, parents, do not exasperate your children. Now, how could he ever think that a parent would do something like that? Is there a, parents, have you ever exasperated your kids no, I, well, that was not very emphatic. I was, come on, let's try that again. Parents, have you ever exasperated your children? Oh, who said yes? Richard, Kathy, what is going, look, there's no need to tell the truth in public. You can at least work with a preacher. <clears throat> Folks, yes, we love our kids to obey us and to do what they're told, but parents, we have a role in a ministry to our kids as well. And we need to be aware of our weaknesses and our struggles as humans, 
because at times we do exasperate our kids. I think we were doing a bit of exasperating last night, Jude. I'm not sure if we can take all the blame for it, but we probably should. But uh, parents, don't exasperate your kids. Instead, do what? Bring them up in the training and the instruction of the Lord. Isn't that a great thing to aim for? Out with exasperation and in with training. Out with frustration and in with instruction of the Lord. It's not only what we do for our own kids, folks, but it's also what we're called upon to do as a church community for other kids. Those in the community of the church, but also those in the community that we move and mix in. One of my first ministry assignments, I became a Christian when I was 17 in the summer of 1983-84. Just, Ben, don't you add it up too quickly. Just careful there, mate. I don't want to give away any secrets. 17, 1983-84. And the first thing I got asked was, hey, can you come and help at Beach Mission? OAC campaigners. Everyone, anyone ever heard of those? Open air campaigners. There's a hand, Tina. I see that hand. You've just bought that. Um, so uh, off I went to Beach Mission. It was a very uh, good opportunity. Kingston Park, Caravan Park, West Beach Caravan Park. David, can you do the memory verse? So I'm up there doing pictures, trying to get the kids to guess. And I, I remember at the time, I felt a bit weird, to be honest. There's me, a 17-year-old. and Surely I'd graduated and was uh, worthy of a higher calling. But here I was in a caravan park, surrounded with these kids, uh, out in the middle of nowhere, teaching them Bible verses. And I, looking back, I realised that was a great place to start. Being able to explain stuff about the kingdom to kids so they can digest it, remember it and understand it, that was a great place to start. It's also very encouraging. There's a nice girl there called Judy Lukerst uh, who came to those as well. I then showed up at Thursday Afternoon Club for Kids. We called it TAC. It sounded really cool then. And uh, Judy was there as well. But I was there for the ministry and uh, wanting to bless the kids. But we've always had a, a, a desire in our home and our heart to reach out to kids in our community. We've had youth group at our home, uh, the Young Adults Connect group that met in our home weekly Wednesdays for three years. And it's just a great opportunity to open up ourselves. So folks, the purpose of this message today as we look around and see our community of kids among us is to ask ourselves, how do we have a heart to sow into the next generation? In what ways are we making ourselves available, either through serving in Hills Kids or opening our homes or whatever? How are we making sure that we do that in our community? It's been said that kids are the future of the church. The truth is they're the present. God's speaking to them right now. They're speaking to us and Jesus has set them as an example to us right now. So we want to make sure that they are fully included and regarded and give thanks for their ministry to us in our community. Church, I'd like to invite you now to lead you in a prayer before we're going to do something very special. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the fact that you are the giver of good gifts and that you give gifts to all and sundry, Lord, especially and including children, Lord, that you reveal yourself to them, that they have something to show us, Lord, that you've given us so many gifts in terms of the lives of the kids here at Hills Kids. And Lord, we thank you for the fact that you are training them and teaching them at all times, that through the ministry of our Hills Kids department, you are raising them up for yourself, Lord, so that they will praise your name, 
They will call out to you and cry out to you that in times of distress or need, they would look to you, Lord, and that they would know that there is a Saviour who's way above and beyond even their parents and their own family. Lord, I thank you for the faith that you've placed in their heart. And I say, Lord, continue to help us as a church. Regard them, look after them, disciple them, lead them, Lord, and not exasperate them. As we pray in Jesus' name, amen. It says in Luke chapter 11, if then you who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to us that ask them? So we wanted to finish this period now together as we wrap up our service with a time of gift giving. Now the way that we've done this in the past is we'd normally get the leaders of our Hills Kids department to grab the presents and give them out, get the kids to come down here. But this year, in match with our theme, we want to do it a little differently. We've invited a number of adults to come down the front instead of the kids, get the presents and take it back to them. So those of you who were approached during the week to help with this, if you could come to the tables on my left and right right away. Kids, you stay right where you are because today we want the adults in our church to gather together to grab your presents and bring them to you. Now for those folks who aren't involved in this, I don't want you to just goof off, check your phone, start thinking about coffee. I want you to look around you and look at the kids that are in this community and I want you to start praying for them because as these adults give them their gifts, they're going to give them a blessing. They're going to speak over them words of love, words of kindness, words of music, uh, mercy, words of destiny, words of a future. So I want you to do the same as you prayerfully look that now. Thank you, team.